God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, this war uh, that's escalating between Ukraine and Russia could very well be avoided. And it's something to where foreign policy, uh, you know, shouldn't be this difficult. It really shouldn't. It's, it's one of these things where this is a no this was a no brainer ukraine is a nothing country corrupt uh there's a lot of civil war civil conflict in ukraine and there it's split many people wanted to stay with russia and the other uh portion of ukraine want, wanted to separate and be part of europe and be taken seriously as a serious country but they didn't have serious leadership and there was a lot of corruption. And it's the corruption that really ruined it for them. And so you have with corruption, exploitation and easy pickings, so to speak. So Western politicians would get involved knowing they they have Ukraine by the Short hairs. They they have Ukraine in their fist, and they act uh, get to act like a big boss. But every every move and every step and every time they commit an act of corruption, they end up digging themselves into a a trench, making fake promises, false promises, guarantees. And companies like Burisma, who hire people like Hunter Biden, uh, they're no different than a bouncer at the door of a strip club. And what it is, is uh, these people are strong-armed men. They're not physically strong. They can't toss you out the door. But what they are 
are gatekeepers. You come after me, if you're Victor Shokin, and you come after Burisma, I'm going to call my dad, and my dad is going to withhold a billion dollars of not your money, but American tax money. I'm going to withhold a billion dollars, and you're not going to get the money. That's leverage that you got based on policy. The policy that was put forth by the Obama administration. And the same kind of policy happened with the JCPOA in Iran. And it's why John Kerry was so adamant about making sure that the JCPOA stayed intact and violated every aspect of the Logan Act in working with Zarif and working with Zarif about the JCPOA. And Iran's people were cheering in the streets when we signed that deal, where we got nothing and they got everything. And generally speaking, when you have a deal like that, by people that could rig elections better than anybody, you know they got the chops, you know they have the smarts, because they're able to rig elections so well. You can't do that operation without being able to do this operation. You know, people talk about how mean and nasty Joe Biden is. Or people may be talking now about how mean and nasty Justin Trudeau is. But Justin Trudeau also, in the same breath, would be in tears if you didn't refer to some trans person as a non-binary you know, I remember when Justin Trudeau was so upset, he says, well, we only refer to people as people, not not men or women. And he was upset about that. He got teary-eyed about it. But now look at him. When it comes to middle-class tax-paying people, he's gone as far as arresting a Canadian pastor and threw the Canadian pastor in solitary confinement after, pre- after the pastor was preaching to the blockade truckers. That pastor is now rotting in jail like J6 people who supported Donald Trump. I don't care whether we have a new leader based on a rigged election. I support Donald Trump. And God forbid if you do in this country, because it's no different than Canada. It's no different than Iran, no different than any other tyrannical government. In fact, I think Putin is a better leader than anything we have here in the United States. And I think it's why he actually looked Donald Trump in the eye and feared Donald Trump, because Donald Trump was a stand-up man, stood for things stood for rights and wrongs, stood up against wrongs, stood up for right. And Donald Trump, you knew what you were getting with him. But these snakes in D.C. right now, we don't get them. They're smoke and mirrors. They're razzle-dazzle. These guys are not nice. So why are they allowing Putin to eat their lunch? Why were they allowing the leadership of Iran to eat their lunch? Because they were selling out. That's why. It's not like they're stupid and it's not like they're weak and it's not like they're ruthless. They're not, you know, they're ruthless. They are ruthless. 
It's not like they're not ruthless. They are. They'll cut your throat. They're strong guys. And they're evil. And they're killers. And Donald Trump has said this several times. They're killers. But why are they folding like a cheap suit now? Why are they so stupid now? Why are they so moronic now? Because there's money involved. And I wrote this tweet based on something I heard from um, Mark Green, uh, the congressman of Tennessee. He was speaking and he said something really smart. He said, Biden is partnering with Putin and Xi, who will infiltrate a strategic region, claim a rebellion, go in and support those people, and voila, you've just taken over a country. Russia did it with Crimea while Obama watched. China expedited Hong Kong away from the, Brit- the British colonial leadership. And they'll do the same in Taiwan. And just look, the Olympics are over in Beijing. Complete disaster. Whoever bought advertising dollars in, in that Olympics lost their butts. But they were globalist countries owned by BlackRock. Money's no object. So it doesn't really matter if Coke actually sells more product than Pepsi because we know that BlackRock wins in the end anyway. Right? These big conglomerates are owned by these banks, these these uh, financial institutions. And they're owned by China and India. And anywhere else you have a one, uh, one billion plus population of consumers that want to buy your product. Because if you want to do business in China, you have to dance. And dance you will. So you'll listen to China. What do we have to do to get your business? What what do we have to do to earn your trust, China? Now see, Russia, they're a smaller economy. They, They really don't have that muscle. They don't have that leverage. China can do it with ease. They control their population. We heard what Justin Trudeau said. You know, it's a it's a real luxury to have uh, this kind of a dictatorship. I almost envy them. I almost envy the dictatorship that China has because they're so efficient. They can initiate new green deals. You know, these politicians are such liars, though. We see these student uh, parent these parents at these student boards showing pictures and uh, of uh, these people not wearing masks or. This other family, uh, this other group that's basically holding uh, the mayor, uh, mayoral leadership accountable in New Orleans, I think it was, uh, for, di- for basically karaoke without masks. And, you know, Republicans and conservatives and Trump supporters, we, we really don't care whether you're wearing a mask or not. Somehow we have to care because it's like these leaders, these Gestapo leaders, these liberal numbnuts, I'd like to call them libtards, um, what they're doing is they're, they're saying rules for thee but not for me. They're basically telling you what to do and then not doing it themselves. So you have to call them out on it. It's, petty, it's a petty game. 
It's a petty game that I have no interest in playing. I don't care what you do with your life, but don't care about what you do with my life. But they take that, the liberals take that to heart everywhere. Let's take a listen to this clip that we played. And we played it. We're going to play it again. We're going to play a few clips today. But this one, just a reminder of what Trudeau thinks about dictatorships. Even with Sun TV watching for any slip, he was asked which country he most admired and referred to China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Uh, that I find quite interesting. Even with Sun TV watching for any slip, he was asked which country he most admired and referred to China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. I know I played it twice. It's worth hearing twice. <laughs> but yeah, actually, while, while that was playing, I was looking for this other clip. And, uh, you know, it's basically the uh, clip of Joe Biden uh, withholding the billion dollars that we've all heard a thousand times. But you'd be surprised how many people have not heard that, have not heard that clip. Now, we're not going to play that one, but I will tell you this. It's why we're here. It's why we're dealing with Russia right now. It's because we've sold out. It's why we're dealing with Iran. And so when Trump came in, you know, it was really quick and easy. He just got out of JCPOA. He poo-pooed the Paris Accord. He said no to the TPP. The globalists were up in arms. They were very unhappy because the slave labor markets that were going to be kicked into gear for TPP uh, were going to be in full use, but not anymore. And so there's just a lot of that, right? Uh, Trump got out of a lot of that. And you didn't see Russia pulling the stunt they pulled with Crimea in Ukraine. Again, they infiltrate certain regions where they have a population that's pro-Russia or pro-China in Taiwan and Hong Kong. Right in Hong Kong, they put the Chinese symbol up. They were supposed to wait 50 years with Hong Kong. They were supposed it was a 50-day window. And it was supposed to be a migrate, you know, slow evolving migration. But China couldn't wait and they wanted to dominate Hong Kong. And so they just went right in. And the same thing, uh, Taiwan, they'll do the same thing that to Taiwan. It's the new blueprint for taking over a country. You infiltrate it and then you take it over. You basically have start a rebellion and then you go and aid the rebellion. And it's not worth Dying, that's a hill that worth not worth dying for. But after a while, you get all these hills and you got a mountain. And that's one of the, one of the chief problems uh, of all this. 
So we got our hands full, folks. And we're going to go ahead and play a couple of uh, clips that I wanted to play yesterday. And uh, let's see. Trying to trying to get to it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> we have the corruption. And we have what's going on in Ukraine. And more than likely what's going to happen. Uh, based yesterday, uh, there were two regions they declared their independence. There were Ukrainian regions that are now belonging to Russia. So Russia's already gained some ground. Sort of like what they did with Crimea. And they're not going to be invaded. They're going to support Russia against Ukraine. Ukraine is corrupt. And all these different deals that are going on uh, have led us here. And so the the two clips I wanted to play first with regard to Ukraine were uh, with Tulsi Gabbard. There's actually three clips with regard to Tulsi. But this first one I played a week ago. And this one was good, but um, then there's a couple of follow-ups to this. So we're going to go ahead and play Tulsi Gabbard. And this should tell you everything you want to know about Ukraine. This, to me, mimicked my belief system on Ukraine perfectly. President Biden could end this crisis and prevent a war uh, with Russia by doing something very simple, guaranteeing that Ukraine will not become a member of NATO. Because if Ukraine became a member of NATO, that would put U.S. and NATO troops directly on the doorstep of Russia, which, as Putin has laid out, would undermine their national security interests. Uh, The reality is that it is highly, highly unlikely that Ukraine will ever become a member of NATO anyway. So the question is, why doesn't President Biden and and NATO leaders actually just say that and guarantee it? Which, which begs the question of, of why are we in this position then? Uh, if, if the answer to this and preventing this war from happening is, is very clear as day, and, and, and really it just points to one conclusion that I can see, which is they actually want Russia to invade Ukraine. Why would they? Because, number one, it gives the Biden administration a clear excuse to go and levy draconian sanctions, which are a modern-day siege against Russia and the Russian people. And, number two, it cements this Cold War in place. Uh, You know, the the military-industrial complex is the one that benefits from this. They clearly control the Biden administration. Warmongers on both sides in Washington have been drumming drumming up these tensions. If if they get Russia to invade Ukraine, then, uh, again, it locks in this new Cold War. The military-industrial complex starts to make a ton of more money than than they have been in fighting uh, al-Qaeda or or making weapons for al-Qaeda. And who pays the price? The American people pay the price. The Ukrainian people pay pay the price. The Russian people pay the price. It undermines our own national security, but the military-industrial complex that controls so many of our politicians wins, and they, they run to the bank. You've seen this from both sides as a lawmaker and a member of our armed forces, so I think you've got a credible view on this. I've looked at this carefully, Tucker, and I have yet to find any benefit that a, a political leader has used or could use to justify this to the American people. All you hear is like, well, we have to defend democracy. We have to defend this democratic country of Ukraine. But as you know very well, uh, this current president, you know, shuts down, politi- arrests political opposition, throws them in yep. jail, shuts down TV stations that are critical to him. Uh, I, I have a hard time seeing how President Biden or anyone can 
say with an honest face we are defending democracy. And the reason is because our own government has publicly supported these authoritarian actions by the Ukrainian president in shutting down their own political opposition. And it begs the question, uh, this sounds familiar to some of the things that unfortunately we're seeing play out right here at home. So, you know, when she was saying they shut down political opposition, they shut down media that doesn't speak well, I didn't even know who she was talking about. She was talking about Ukraine. Why, why are we calling Ukraine a democracy? But she could have been talking about Trudeau. She could have been talking about Biden. But she was talking about Ukraine, or she could have been talking about Putin. Let's listen to that one more time, that one part. And who pays the price? The American people pay the price. The Ukrainian people pay, pay the price. The Russian people pay the price. It undermines our own national security. Oh, and by the way, that's sanctions. And by the way, today, there's going to be announcements of new sanctions. These sanctions are terrible. I remember uh, Rex Tillerson was ta- asked the question in his confirmation when he was going to be Secretary of State. And he was asked this question about sanctions. And they said, well, sanctions could be really, really bad for you if if you don't do them right. They got to be used as a, an effective tool. You could really use sanctions for good and bad. And if you don't do it right, and if you do it carelessly, you could be creating the wrong incentives. For example, in Ukraine, if you were to sanction the two regions uh, that... Uh, like these two countries, these two regions that have lent their support to Russia. And suppose then the Biden administration issues sanctions against these two regions. These two regions that were, uh, there was a big ceremonial signing yesterday in Russia. <clears throat> these two regions, you sanction them and they're going to need more. They're going to have less independence. They're going to need more Russia more. And it's going to be nothing for Russia to help them out. So it's going to create an incentive for them to expedite the departure from Ukraine to Russia. The sanctions would do that if you don't do the sanctions right. The sanctions also impact negatively Western businesses that are doing business with those regions. And incidentally, Ukraine in Germany... Uh, they halted the cer- certification of gas pipeline from Russia and UK, imposes sanctions on banks. Uh, they're doing that. Now, that's an effective sanction, one that affects all of Mother Russia, not just two regions. And and not only that, but not just specific oligarchs. So you could have oligarchs to basically take down and take out your political adversaries. And it'll be interesting to see which oligarchs are targeted. But sanctions are often done against individuals to make their lives uncomfortable. Again, what's the net effect? Does it create a bigger alliance in a way that you don't want? Does it create a deterrent in the way that you do want? You have to ask yourself that question, but... This is where she's going to talk about democracy. And close your eyes and think about it. They could be talking about any one of the players. They could be talking about Biden. Or they could be talking about Zelensky in Ukraine. They could be talking about Putin. You don't know.
who they're talking about. But the military-industrial complex that controls so many of our politicians wins, and they, they run to the bank. You've seen this from both sides as a lawmaker and a member of our armed forces, so I think you've got a credible view on this. I've looked at this carefully, Tucker, and I have yet to find any benefit that a, a political leader has used or could use to justify this to the American people. All you hear is like, well, we have to defend democracy. democracy. We have to defend this democratic country of Ukraine. But as you know very well, uh, this current president, you know, shuts down, arrests political opposition, throws them in yep. jail, shuts down TV stations that are critical to him. Uh, I, I have a hard time seeing how President Biden or anyone can say with an honest face we are defending democracy well isn't that what we're doing what, how is it different that uh jen Psaki calling on censorship calling for more censorship from the big tech speaking of big tech true truth social is out i set up all of our accounts yesterday now they're on reserve i can't even post yet but that's going to be a platform. You think about Truth Social and what that's about. Oh, my goodness. Talk about steamrolling over uh, the RNC. And uh, and the, who's the leader of the RNC? Uh, Mitt Romney's uh, Romney Ronin, whatever. Nobody even cares anymore about WinRed and RNC. Incidentally, Magapac is not connected with WinRed in any way. So when people, you know, want to partner up with America First policies and uh, nonprofits that are advancing the America First agenda and uh, so, and supporting America First candidates, uh, not specifically because we're not allowed with the 501c3, uh, but what we're doing every day with this show and with this with Red State Talk Radio is supporting MAGAPAC and Bugle Call in our policies, in, in supporting America First policies. And we're doing that because we believe in it. We started it because we believe in it. It was one before the other. We needed a vehicle uh, in terms of a nonprofit organization to harness the power and energy of facilitating meetings, discussions, forums, events, speakers, and so on and so forth to get the information out there. We can't do it without your support. So please, uh, if you feel the uh, interest and you want to make a difference, it can't just all go to the Trump campaign either. People who make donations need to actually empower and help all the organizations that are helping the effort. It's not just one. But we've been consistent, unlike a lot of others, you know, even Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world that support the J.D. Vance's of the world. J.D. Vance is out recently denouncing his own self by basically saying, I've come around. We had a caller yesterday, John from Idaho, who basically called in and said he's, you know, backing off of what he used to say about Trump. He realizes it's a killer for him. But he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, and I know J.D. Vance enough to know this guy is a snake. He's a Washington creature. He changes stripes in a second. He was a Mitt Romney guy who supported McMullen and bashed Donald Trump when Donald Trump needed him the most. 
And I say shame on Steve Bannon and Steve Cortez and Marjorie Taylor Greene for actually supporting and endorsing J.D. Vance. It's exactly the kind of BS that's just so wrong in Washington, D.C. That this person had a belief and now they're lying about it. Stick with your beliefs. I will say this about the Scott Adams Show and Red State Talk Radio. We have stood on solid ground and we have not changed our minds. Uh, It's okay to change your mind too, by the way. But call it out. We've been very consistent. I mean, we were on the Trump train since the escalator. Since the, before the escalator. I was actually on the Trump train when Trump was going uh, with a third party in 1999. You know, I always thought that he was an interesting dynamic in politics. But when he came out in uh, 2015... We were on that train. We have, and the thing is, we have archived shows from from uh, 2000, you know, all the way back since we started. We've never deleted a show. And we don't edit our shows. Our shows, when we do them, are syndicated throughout the country. And uh, our files go out and they're made available immediately after this show. So the file that gets created from this show. And, you know, we can't do it without your support. And MAGAPAC.org and BugleCall.org are vehicles for tax-deductible uh, tax donations uh, to, those via, to those interests. And if you go to BugleCall.org and MAGAPAC.org, and if you go to, um, you'll see um, that, that they're 501c3. And the other part of it is, uh, with regard to those uh, organizations, um, we have them posted all over Red State Talk Radio and scottadamshow.com, redstatetalkradio.com. And you'll see MAGAPAC uh, logos, bugle call logos. And the reason why is because we're very well, not formally, but informally partnered with those organizations. They're one and the same. But with the uh, Bugle Call and MAGAPAC, we actually have a board. And we actually are certified with the IRS as a charitable organization. And uh, we're bound by a lot of different rules. And we have a board. And all the money that gets donated has to be approved by the board as to how it's to, how it's spent. Uh, I happen to be, uh, Scott Adams uh, happens to be the uh, executive director of the organization. Um, But we have a board that has a say on every matter. So there's that. I just wanted to say that. But um, we're going to listen to one more Tulsi Gabbard clip. This is similar, but a little different. President Biden is not addressing the number one question uh, that really he should address, which is the American people wondering, what is this going to cost us here at home? And why why are we doing this? Why is the president making the choices that he's making? The reality that we're facing is that already with this increasing confrontational uh, approach that the president is taking, we're seeing inflation rise. We're seeing fuel prices rise. Those things will only continue to get worse if the United States 
states and partners start to put sanctions in place against Russia. We will see our inflation continue to worsen. We'll see Russia retaliate. We'll see them likely use uh, cyber warfare against our financial institutions, against our infrastructure. The United States will then have to retaliate. And we'll end up in this endless cycle of tit-for-tat that will hurt the American people in ways that are difficult to even estimate at this point. And the danger of this ultimately is these kinds of tactics that are tactics of warfare could ultimately escalate to the point where it's the United States versus Russia, two nuclear arms armed countries, where either intentionally or unintentionally, we could end up having to, to face that reality of nuclear warfare and attacks. President- yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And we got here because of the endless corruption. We got here because of the corruption in Ukraine. Lindsey Graham's guilty of it. John McCain's guilty of it. Uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, they're riddled with it. And Amy Klobuchar was over there. You know, think about it. You know, there's this video and there's this footage of Amy Klobuchar, John McCain and Lindsey Graham, who all hated Donald Trump. And on December 31st, 2016, during Trump's presidential election, he was president elect. And during his transition, while he's up in Trump Tower, getting spied upon by James Comey and infiltrated by Hillary Clinton, even as the president elect. While he's got his hands full dealing with that, Lindsey Graham, John McCain, and Amy Klobuchar go over to meet with Poroshenko, who was the leader at the time, preceded Zelensky in Ukraine. And it was one of these things where because Obama only gave them blankets and pillows, there was a reason for that. And the reason was the weapons themselves were going to be disseminated Elsewhere, through the black market, through the military industrial complex, these other contractual deals, they were made on the private sector. So there are going to be U.S. sanctioned weapons, but maybe cheaper. I don't know. But the idea was that they got investors to make these weapons. They went over there and made sure this deal was not only secured, signed, done, and processed and completed while Obama was still president. Because the trade-off was Obama got guarantees from Lindsey Graham and John McCain regarding JCPOA and the Iranians. They gave Obama the golden parachute for him to buy his houses in Hawaii and in Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Uh, And all at sea level, by the way. You know, Obama was the guy that says rising sea levels are, are going to are guaranteed. Yet somehow the banks are, are are with good grace saying, you know, we approve all kinds of loan uh, land deals uh, at sea level because we're not threatened by global warming. The banks sign off on these deals. Now Obama doesn't need a bank because he's got that JCPOA. Iranian money, that golden parachute of $150 billion, right? He got a big chunk of that. Some Swiss account somewhere. He's got the money's coming in for somewhere. The publishing companies launder the money. You know, they give him $65 million up front for a stupid book no one reads. And in the end, you know, somehow they get their money back. They get a return on investment. It's called money laundering. They go to Colombia for a speech and they might do the speech and do some deals 
and they launder the money. The money gets laundered. And somehow their value is if I touch a book, I get 65 million here. If I touch another book, it's 82 million here. It, it's, it's one of these things. And you can't, no one even questions it. Oh, well, that's Obama. He's a rock star. No, no one's that kind of rock star. Nobody gets $65 million up front for a book. I think this was Michelle Obama that got something like that. Who gives two cents what Michelle Obama has to say? You could read her research papers and know that she's a Marxist. It's crazy. So, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, I wonder about this. I wonder if she's actually positioning herself to compete with Christy Noem to be a Veep candidate for Donald Trump. Listen to this, what she has to say about Durham right here. The real threat to our democracy, Sean, is the power elite. And that power elite is led by Hillary Clinton and her co-conspirators in the mainstream media and in the security state who have been and are working to undermine our democracy. The threat does not come from some foreign country. The threat comes from within, right here at home. Uh, You will also not be surprised to note that the mainstream media has been intentionally burying this story and this this should be distressing to all Americans it's something that I have a I have a little bit of first-hand experience with but just seeing how this has all been playing out recently and over the last year has only further uh, reinforced that and uh, so the real question that we're going to be left with now is will she and her co-conspirators actually be held accountable for their actions in undermining our democracy these are very serious concerns that we need to we need to continue to push to the forefront to do our best to make sure that that accountability actually happens does she sound like a democrat to you does she sound you know here's the thing about Tulsi Gabbard for me and I, I have a little bit of a problem with Christy Noem but with regard to her not getting things done with regard to transgender uh, athletes competing in women's sports in the NCAA. And there was a really interesting interview that she gave with Tucker Carlson about that. I give her, I give Christy Nome credit for stepping up and uh, stepping into the lion's den on that issue. And she actually held herself in good account. So I give her some credit, Christy Nome. I just don't think she is uh, the greatest candidate. I think uh, DeSant, Ron DeSantis would be a better choice who gets things done and who is, I think, in some ways more courageous politically. Um, but Tulsi Gabbard, you know, she sounds like a uh, conservative. She sounds... Like she loves Trump. She hates the mainstream media that's lying to the American people. And she sounds like she's questioning Joe Biden's ability to get things done with regard to Ukraine and Russia. Of course, she sounds like a Republican. And you've got to wonder then, what is she doing? She's got to be jockeying for that position. Because I think that in the end, what we're going to be looking at is, you know, in serious earnest, a Uh, serious consideration to get a woman but not just a woman but maybe maybe across the aisle because you're looking at numbers and if you were to reach across the aisle and get a democrat now there aren't too many democrats that like tulsi gabbard let's face it and then with regard to republicans it would sour that too because 
I'll never forgive Tulsi Gabbard. I'll never forgive Tulsi Gabbard, even though I agree with everything she just said today. I I won't forgive her for impeaching President Trump. She did vote to impeach. I found that to be extraordinarily disappointing because, you know, to reach that mark of impeaching President Trump in the House of Representatives, you would have had to turn a blind eye to due process. And for me, that is that is a sin of all. That's an unforgivable sin. Um, that's an unforgivable sin. And the sin is to uh, turn a blind eye to due process. It's how we've actually put too many, far too many people uh, on the uh, on the chopping blocks in in the courts of laws, um, and gotten it wrong so many times. Here's one more Tulsi Gabbard. What we have is, unfortunately, Democrats, Republicans, the mainstream media, the Washington elite, essentially, in the pocket of the military-industrial complex. And rather than looking out for what's in the best interest of the American people, our national security, our country, they see dollar signs when they look at Ukraine. They see uh, how they can line their pockets, how they can you know, look tough, how they can posture themselves in a position where they personally or politically or financially benefit, rather than actually thinking about what are the costs and consequences of these actions and who pays the price. It's the American people and, frankly, yeah. the people of Ukraine. So my guess is that some of the people pushing for war don't actually want a real war with Russia. It would tank our economy in a second, for one thing, and they'd be held responsible. My concern is they're so inept, they so lack fine motor skills, that they're going to talk themselves into getting us into a war inadvertently. They've got a long track record of ineptitude. Are you worried about that? I'm deeply concerned about that because that, that's very much the direction that we are headed. Uh, you know, Tucker, I look back to early 2017 uh, when then-President Trump said, hey, it would be good if we got along with Russia. You remember the reaction to that. that Everyone from, you know, Democratic leaders, Republican See, leaders, Trump, people in the mainstream right? media, they said absolutely no way. There were people in Trump's own administration, warmongers like John Bolton, uh, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, who outright rejected it and went on their own agenda. Uh, and we're seeing the results of this now. We're seeing the result of how we have continued to have these warmongers escalating tensions, putting us in this disastrous position today, leaving us, the American people, uh, with, with, frankly, the responsibility to stand up and say, we will not accept this. We will not be sheep allowing these warmongers in Washington uh, to lead us down this very, very dangerous and costly path. I'll never forget when you came out as a sitting member of Congress and said, well, maybe we shouldn't actually fight the Russians in Syria. And you were denounced as a Russian agent, also as a racist for not wanting to bomb another Middle Eastern country, which is my favorite attack ever because it was so insane. But you paid a real cost for that. I mean, they attacked you every day you served in Congress over that. So it seems like yeah. this is the red line for them. You criticize war and they won't stop in their effort to destroy you. And, and all of these threads we're talking about here point back to that core motivation, motivation that sadly does not lie in serving the best interests of the American people, our security yeah. and our country. It, it comes from a very selfish place of how they can get more power and get more money and who they really work for. It's not the American people. 
Right. It's corporations. And uh, the corporate corporate sponsors, you know, we said it for the four uh, currencies on the black market are human smuggling, uh, trafficking, slave labor, sex trade, workers. Uh, and open borders are a, a real necessity to make all that happen. So what do we do? We create open borders. Uh, another way to make that happen is to create these uh, emergent, you know, these turmoils in, in other countries, and uh, really screw things up, and you know, destroy people's homes uh, in the Middle East, whether it's Afghanistan or Syria. And what what's the net result of that? Refugees, right? Refugees. Now we've had seventeen Republicans say they want more H-1B visas and they want more uh, foreign workers to come into the United States. Lindsey Graham being, you know, part of that. Inhofe, uh, Burr, all these rhinos that are part of the Senate. 17 senators, Republicans, Murkowski, you know, all these people want, want to import all these people. And why are they doing that? Because corporate Corporations make donations to their foundations and to their campaigns because corporations want this cheap labor. They want to import the cheap labor. It's not enough to have the multinational corporations benefit from the supply chains coming out of China. Amazon does it. Walmart does it. All these big companies do it. They get these cheap clothes and Cheap shoes and cheap, cheap whatever, widgets, air fryers, you know, sheets, whatever. They get them all. They get imported. They get imported into uh, our country, made by China, Chinese slave labor camps, Uyghurs, if you will. Just listen to Cantor Freedom talk about that. But the idea is, and and Cantor Freedom's now no longer employed by the NBA, right? Uh, we see how quickly <clears throat> these people are silenced. And so it's not enough to be able to import that way. We also need to have these people <clears throat> imported through the, our open borders because somebody actually needs to physically run the dishwasher, drive the car, pick the grapes off the vines, work the meat packing plants, and work the cornfields and so on and so forth because the margins, the price margins are so cheap. And consumers, they just want the best price. And it's, uh, you know, we were going to change that, though. Under the uh, Trump administration, we were working on tariffs to as a mechanism. Tariffs and uh, fair trade, fair trade, where we weren't taxed so much because we're a highly productive nation. We could produce, but we were being tariffed. Our cars were being tariffed. A lot of our goods and services, our innovation was being tariffed. We have the best innovation in the world because we're a capitalist free society. China, they think like pegs in a, on a board. They don't have creative thinking. They get their education from the United States, and we need to do a lot more in that area. They're transferring 
our wealth of technology and innovation back to Mother China. And so, you know, when you listen to Tulsi Gabbard there talking about the military-industrial complex and talking about the media silencing and talking about these things, you got to think for one second. She's a former congresswoman. She's not bound by the Democrat Party anymore. You almost got to think that she's positioning herself as a potential Veep candidate. And there's a lot of them out there that are considering that. So it's interesting. And we'll keep our eye on that. But uh, rest assured that what Trump has done with regard to Truth Social is bigger than the RNC. Think about the millions of people that are signing up for Truth Social. Just yesterday, it was, I don't want to know what the number is. It's like a quarter million people signed up immediately. And uh, it's one of these things where you're going to see basically this Truth Social, you're going to see Trump. There's a reason why Trump didn't get on Getter and didn't get on Parler and didn't get on Gab. He had this in the works, and Devin Nunes has been a real stalwart. And he's running the show for Truth Social. And now you got Trump basically going to be freely tweeting, and everybody's going to want to see what Trump does. And you're going to see the true numbers, not the fake numbers that the media tried to sell it to you. You're going to see the true numbers because everybody that's signing up for True Social is going to be a Trump supporter, a Trump lover, a Trump voter. And it's going to be another eye-opening awakening uh, where you're going to say, could Biden do that? Could Mr. 81 million votes start Truth Social and have that kind of love? I think the answer is no. It's going to be so obvious, but it's beyond that. <clears throat> the RNC would dream, just dream of getting the kind of email information and, and demographic analysis and the, na- the names and the, the emails and the addresses and the ages and the interests and all the d- data that they're going to collect from this is going to be an RNC, DNC dream come true for Donald Trump. Donald Trump is going to become the tour de force. He's going to be the force in politics. This truth social is better than anything when it comes to that. Think about it from that perspective. The RNC, what they've always tried to do, gather and collect data, get names, put people on mailing lists, the old-fashioned way. But Truth Social is a way to actually get people talking, communicating with each other. Uh, A kumbaya moment, a love fest. It's going to be Trump rally on steroids every single day of the week. So I want to read some tweets. Stephen Miller is one of the uh, guys that is surrounding Trump, and he's an advisor to Trump that really, I think, has uh, great insights and a lot better than Steve Cortez, a lot better than Steve Bannon, a lot better than Marjorie Taylor Greene is Stephen Miller. In almost all measurable respects, Stephen Miller writes, Western civilization is exhausted, uh, is an exhausted, diminishing force. Crime surging, births cratering, workforce shrinking, culture eroding, influence waning, debt spiraling, illegal immigration exploding— 
art and academic demia sabotaging, not enlightening. Yet the one subject which arouses the passion and wrath of Western capitals to brink of bloody war is the sacrosanctity of Ukraine's present-day boundaries until the West marshals its energies to repair and restore itself. Its tragically declining trajectory remains unchanged. So basically, what are we so worried about? You know, did a bunch of Russians live on the border of Ukraine and like Russia better than they like Ukraine? Ukraine is a foreign country to some of these people. Julie Kelly writes, I do not care about Ukraine. What I care about is the billions of dollars we've wasted in that corrupt nation under the guise of democracy building and defending itself against Russia. It's a money laundering state for U.S. national security industry and grifters like Biden and, and grifters like the Biden family. And. Yeah. Uh, there was a little bit more to that, but I'm not going to read that part. Uh, it's just, uh, it just gets into this embassy uh, thing. In any case, um, and then there was this other article the New York Post put out. It says, Chinese elite have paid some $31 million to Hunter and the Bidens. The Biden family has done five deals in China totaling some $31 million arranged by individuals with direct ties to Chinese intelligence. Well, of course, we also have them on tape doing those deals in Burisma and with the prosecutors in Ukraine. Donald uh, Trump Tracker says Donald Trump's new social media platform, Truth Social, is scheduled to launch on President's Day this Monday. Well, of course, it's after that now, but it's launched. It did launch on on that day. It did. And I set up four accounts. I set up Magapack. Oh, we're out of time. Here we go. I set up Magapack. I set up Bugle Call. And I set up Scott Adams Show. And I set up Red State Talk Radio, and I did that yesterday. I still can't post yet because they, they've been flooded with such enormous enormity in terms of business uh, that they're still, you know, scheduling these things out. But they're secured and they're set up. So I want to thank everybody for helping us uh, and follow us uh, and what they're doing over there. So. Uh, also, be sure to check out scottadamshow.com. We're going to be posting our social media links on there. And our latest podcasts are over there. Be sure to use Red State as your MyPillow promo code. It will give you the biggest discounts available to you. And be sure to check out magapack.org and make a donation if you can. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye. Grab a shovel, take a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there. 